Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Tech Stacks, the fintech podcast for advisors. I'm Nicole Casperson, co-hosting along with my colleague, Sean Alaka. Today, I'm excited to share that we attended our first in-person conference this month. It was the SALT Conference, financier Anthony Scaramucci's annual event covering finance, technology, and geopolitics. And it was held in New York City. When it comes to fintech, the big topic on everyone's minds during the event was, surprise, surprise, cryptocurrency. I moderated a panel during the event talking about the future of wealth management, and we couldn't get away from talking about crypto investing. So we are doing something different this episode. We interviewed top speakers live at the event, and we are sharing the best bits from those conversations. To start, we sat down with Anthony Scaramucci himself, founder and managing partner at Skybridge, to talk about Bitcoin and why he's so bullish on the crypto asset. Anthony also gave us an update on why financial advisors should be paying attention to digital currencies. What follows is a clip from our live conversation recorded during the SALT conference. look at a stock to flow analysis of Bitcoin and you look at the demand for Bitcoin relative to the scarcity of supply and you overlay a stock to flow model that we've done on other types of assets that have similar characteristics to Bitcoin, exponential growth, experiencing Metcalfe's law in terms of the arc of that exponential growth. The fact that it's decentralized, I think, is a very valuable thing because you don't even have a corporate C-suite where people are fighting it out. It's continuing to expand. Kathy was here yesterday, Kathy Wood. Uh, she thinks she'd get to a billion wallets by 2005, the end of 2005. So that's roughly four years from now. We think you're at 180 million wallets today. That's our SkyBridge research number based on estimates that we're doing. Some people say it's 125. Some people say it's 200. We think it's 180. If you go from 180 to a billion users over the next four years, it's going to be $500,000 a coin. Uh, but if you can go from 180, we've got three months to go, and you get to 225, uh, it's going to take another leg up on the stock-to-flow model, and I think it gets to 100,000. Now, if I'm wrong, I'll be wrong as a result of timing. I won't be wrong as a result of direction. Mm-hmm. So you don't think it's too late for a lot of a lot of like just retail investors? Or? So it's always too late in Bitcoin, and it's never too late. Okay, so here's what happens. Oh, God, I could have bought it at a penny. Now it's $10, it's too late. Oh, it went from $10 to $100, now it's too late. It's at $45,000, it has to be too late. And people made that mistake on Amazon, they made that mistake on Google, they made that mistake on Apple. And what they're doing is they're making a very big mistake because they're not understanding the exponential growth and the arc of Metcalf's law. Once they understand that, uh, then no, it's not too late. And I would say this, you've got 2% wallet saturation. Let's say I'm right about the 180 million, 7 tr- billion people, 2%, or maybe it's 2.5%. Imagine if it's 5%. Imagine if it's 8%. And again, you can't recreate it. You can't create any more Bitcoin. Independent advisors, but people that, you know, they're managing money um, in, in terms of just clients, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. Um, they historically haven't really been as you know adoptions are low among them yeah a lot of them just yeah. because of regular you know for a bunch of different reasons what do you need the headache you know l- let me tell you something okay if, if you're a financial advisor and i used to be a financial i remember i was right. a fa at goldman sachs yeah. so your, your number one job is to preserve capital and not get fired those are you know and they're like tied <laughs> for each other right so i don't want to get fired yeah. so if you're a forward-thinking guy i'm not putting you 
in Amazon right now. Amazon's going public right now. It's selling books. It has a market cap larger than Sears Rosebook. Rowbook, and I can see all the Sears stores. I might buy an Amazon. I don't want to get fired. And then Amazon, if you put $10,000 into Amazon in 1997, went public on May 15th, you'd have $21 million today. All you had to do is put $10,000 in Amazon, lock it up, wake up today, you got $21 million. I'm not doing that. Why do I need to do that? It may go to zero. I may embarrass myself. I'm going to get fired. So that's the mentality. And so what I would say is I'm an entrepreneur. I'm no longer an FA. I'm thinking about where the future is. And I'm looking at the intersection of technological growth and opportunity. And I see where that's going. And I got to take advantage of that for my clients. And if they don't like it, then they should leave. Mm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. All right. And I tell the FAs, you're making a mistake. Because if I've got a dollar out, if I don't have one percent, one penny in this, you're making a very big mistake. Because if the one penny goes to 10 cents, you're going to look great and you're going to look like a forward-thinking person. It's going to preserve capital and it's going to keep your client relationship forever. Do you think there's a certain asset allocation in portfolios for advisors or is there a range that they want to be at with some of their clients? Yeah, I do, but I think the 60-40 mix between stocks and bonds is dead. The 60-40 portfolio died about three years ago if you haven't been paying attention. Now, if you're still operating off of that footprint, you like have a rotary phone in your house. Yeah. Okay, let's get off the rotary <laughs> phone. Let's move to the smartphone. And let's start doing things that are more dynamic, that are taking advantage of the transformation that's happening in the world. Right. And so you need more venture in your portfolio. You need some privates in your portfolio. You need some new economy things in your portfolio. You need DeFi and potentially cryptocurrency in your portfolio. And you need stocks and, of course, some bonds in your portfolio. But you need to change the way you're thinking because while you're sitting there being static, the world is changing exponentially. During the conference, I also had the pleasure of discussing crypto and compliance with none other than Kevin O'Leary, aka Mr. Wonderful and the star of reality TV show Shark Tank. Tune in to the live chat between me and Kevin. I, I wanted to maybe start with, uh, you know, you, you previously were famously against crypto and now you're famously for cryptocurrency. And you know, I've, I've watched your amazing YouTube channel and seen some of the videos of you explaining why, but for our listeners, I'd love for them to hear right from you. you know, what is it about the landscape today that has made you change your mind about cryptocurrency? When I first got involved in crypto back in 2017, um, as you know, the regulatory environment was caustic. You know, it was, it was really, really difficult because at that time, um, the regulator was sending out Wells notices like birthday cards to people <laughs> as tokens were coming on the scene and uh, there was the potential of fraud and unregulated securities and it was a very, very negative environment. And so I've always worked in financial services as an investor. I have many investments in, in financial services companies and fintech and they're all compliant and many of them are reporting issuers. And I'm in the indexing business, which services sovereign funds and pension plans and, and state pension plans, et cetera. So when, when I disclosed back then that, you know, I had taken a, a, a small weighting in Bitcoin and Ethereum personally, not in any of the funds, personally, mm -hmm. my compliance officer called me up and said, are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? I, I can't believe you came out and said that. We are going to hear... Um, from regulators, and that's exactly what happened. And so the reason I, I, was, I was 
dormant, if you want to call it that, um, and not really taking positions on it, was that the regulatory environment uh, was not accommodative. Mm -hmm. All that's changed in the last two years. Um, it began in Europe, in Switzerland, France, Germany, England, Australia. In Canada now, we have listed ETFs with Ethereum and Bitcoin in it. And the regulatory environment here is more open to dialogue. So my answer to that, because believe me, you're not the first person that's asked me about the famous <laughs> Pomp interview on CNBC where I called it garbage, um, <laughs> trying to recoil from you know the situation I was in. Um, uh, things have changed, and I've changed. Uh, you, yeah. As an investor, you have to look for opportunities to deploy capital. That, that's what I do. I'm, I'm always looking for what's next, what's growing, uh, what what can can you know, uh, what can beat the index. What can I do um, in, in in terms of diversification across asset classes, and certainly crypto and decentralized finance, DeFi, yes. are on the fore now. Mm -hmm. Well, and I love what you said at the end there because it. Um, ties into the way that cryptocurrency, blockchain, all of this innovation that is finally kind of becoming popular come to light, largely because of you know people just being home and having more time to to look into things and learn about finance and personal finance because of the pandemic and what has happened. But you know that you talk about how there's more people interested in diversifying their portfolios, diverse assets, and you know there's a lot of talk in the industry about the 60/40 portfolio being dead, that, that strategy. And um, I'm not sure how long it's been dead or if it really is, but um, you know, I think it relates to the culture. A more diverse uh, investor, which is what we're seeing right now, more young people in this industry and being interested in investing, more um, women, right? More people of color. There's just like more diversity right now in the space. And you know, they, they want diverse asset classes. They want something exciting. They want to be able to have something that feels like they're accessing something new and innovative and not doing a traditional, you know, kind of financial structure. Yeah, I think if you're growing up uh, in a Bitcoin world, in a crypto world, it becomes second nature. If it's something that's been on your phone, you've had a wallet, you've mm -hmm. been trading it or you've been owning it since you were 18, it's very easy to just allocate to it. Uh, for the existing investor base and the institutional market, we're not there yet, and I'll tell you why. Um, and this is why it's also a huge opportunity, why I'm investing early, because I work in the world where um, uh, compliance is number one. You, you can't be offside with the regulator. You can't be offside with the tax authority. You don't want to. It's just, it's just friction to your business. And so... Think about it this way. The best way to do this, and I've, I've talked a lot about this in the last couple of months, is w let's say you're running a, a billion-dollar mandate. That's a small mandate mm -hmm. in the institutional right. market. And you want to put 10% into crypto. That's $100 million. You don't download an app on your phone and put $100 million in it. That's not how it works. Because in an institutional environment, let's say if I buy a stock, the moment I buy that stock, it immediately is captured by the infrastructure, my compliance infrastructure. It knows to mark to market that second the position. It also knows if I've used margin or not. And by the end of the day at 401, it takes every single position and it flags it back up to the compliance officer and the margin loan officer and all the people that are part of the infrastructure that manage these mm -hmm. diverse funds. Because the typical mandate in a billion-dollar mandate would be, okay, no more than 20% in any one sector. 
how, how long are we how long are we thinking especially in terms of compliance and regulation oof that yeah. that timeline could take a long time i in a lot of the argument around what some of the regulars feel you know like fraud and this or that which really fraud can happen with you know regular money and anything else um, but I do think it's interesting because for like wealth managers or financial advisors, the compliance and regulation aspect of it is something that they're um, concerned about and it makes them nervous and weary and they're like, eh, I'm just going to wait around until either like an ETF rolls out in the US or something happens where I feel stable and comfortable. But when your clients are asking about this and down to, you know, go down the street to another advisor or wealth manager who is more knowledgeable about crypto, you're, you're losing out on an opportunity. You know, you, you ask, you're asking the right question when you said, let's wait around and see, because what's really going on is if you're talking about any of the large financial institutions, the wirehouses, the big banks, they are not on board yet. They are mm -hmm. not there yet. They are never going to get on board while the regulator is not there. And right now there is a, maybe it's been the fault of the popular press, but there seems to be over the last 24 months this idea that the crypto community is at war with regulators all around the world. That's simply not true. Participants like me are, are, want to be compliant. We already are in everything we do in every other asset class, and we are waiting for the regulator to make the decision. And I think the best analogy is to look at it this way. If you want to watch a football game on Sunday, and I love to watch football, football players can't play football without the rules. Mm -hmm, exactly. You have to play with the rules. You have to know the rules, understand the rules, know them so that you're not breaching them and getting penalized every play, getting set back 10, 20 yards. We in the financial services industry are in the same boat. We need to know the rules. So my attitude is, and, and I am, you know, in, in my view, the voice of reason on this, let's work with the regulator. Let's mm -hmm. show them. I mean, the, the best analogy I can think of is we have 11 sectors in the S&P 500. Crypto is the 12th. It's going to be. It's never going away. It, it has lots of merits in terms of payment systems, asset classes, different coins and tokens and chains. All of these things are here to stay. We now have to sit down. I don't care if it takes 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, 36 months. Nothing's going to happen until they've made their decisions. And then when it does, and this is what it's so interesting about it, I think, take, take Bitcoin. The reason you would hold Bitcoin today is that when the regulator allows it to become an asset class embedded in an ETF, and I'm in the ETF market too, you are going to see billions of dollars mm -hmm. of buying coming into that. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see for the first time the sovereign and the pension plans allocate 50 basis points, 100 basis points. The, the, that, that's one aspect of the opportunity. It's huge. And if you want to see a $100,000 price or a $250,000 Bitcoin price, that has to happen first. And one other aspect to all of this, because it's a software being mined, generated by stacks of computers that burn electricity, ESG is also a problem. Because what a lot of people don't realize is sitting on top of asset allocation committees at the sovereign and pension level are ESG committees. So you have to go with them. Here's a new asset class I'd like to buy. And they say, is it compliant for ESG, for sustainability? And all of the things that are dictated by Larry Fink's letter on climate change and everything else, if you can't check the box on that, they're still not going to buy it. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of work to be done, but the potential is enormous, which is why now, and I, you know, I disclosed, I think about 18 months ago, that in, in our operating company, we went to 3% in crypto. We're on our way to 7% by the end yes. of the year, yes. which is 
a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Two to two to three, maybe five percent is like what yeah. some of the crypto uh, experts in the in the field that I've interviewed in the past will say. So I mean, that seven percent, and you know, you're super confident about that. And then obviously, in 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 the space, when someone like yourself is super confident in that, that can d- get people's kind of heads gearing right and being like okay well well i have to admit i've I've had to hire a bunch of people internally to to actually work the compliance almost manually because there are no systems there's no systems yet there's no so so if if i if i trade a token or a coin or a chain token and i make or lose money on it i have to have an audit trail for that trade and i'm finding the best platform for that is ftx i mean they are the most compliant they're very large they spend a lot of money making sure the systems are in place but in addition to what they do i have to internally audit it myself so you know it's not easy it's not going to happen that Mm -hmm. quick quickly and if you're going to do that you know, on an institutional level, you're going to have to set up a crypto desk. Mm-hmm. And then every day, mark to market. Are you levered? How many positions do you have? I'm working towards 17 dis- different positions by the end of the year because I need diversification. I, yes, I yeah. can have a sectoral weighting up to 20%, but I, I, I can only have 5% in any one name. So by mandate, I have to have diversification. Mm-hmm. And I'm way past uh, just owning Bitcoin and Ethereum. I have an issue with Ethereum now. I love Ethereum, but it is too slow. Mm. It's too slow, and I'm getting into the you know, NFT market. I'm making investments there, and we looked at using it as a platform. It's too slow. I, I can give you a case you study of it, and you know I take a lot of criticism for saying that, but I'm sorry, it's too slow. It just doesn't. It's not fast enough. When you kind of look into DeFi and some of what's really exciting about it, it really is the part where you know it does not you know stop access from anyone to access financial services. And I think that like that is the beautiful trend word of the last 12 months when it comes to fintech and investments and just wealth management in general or building wealth or personal finance is access. And you know everyone want, wants things right away on their iPhones. There's no secret about that. And there's why shouldn't anyone um, be able to have that same level of experience that you get with you know an Apple or an Amazon or whatever, a big tech giant with your financial services. And yeah. that's something that DeFi can bring. And I mean, it's kind of one of those like, well, about time, right? You know, yeah. how, how many more things need to happen for people to realize like there needs to be something else out there outside of the traditional financial system. And we have technology is mature enough. And, you know, people are getting more on board now, I th- I, in my opinion, largely pushed by the pandemic um, to actually make something like this possible. I mean, it's like, exciting, you know, and it's well, I like your analogy because it's basically consumers that are going to push institutions into it after the regulator allows that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you have to go in, tiptoeing in, understanding the regulator is not 100% on board yet, but you can, you can work uh, in, reg- in, in, in markets where it's permitted. Uh, there's, you know, we've, we're a couple of years away from that ETF you talked about. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's coming next year. I think we've got to resolve these issues uh, you know, are, is an NFT a security? Is Bitcoin a security mm-hmm. or is it an asset? You know, I treat Bitcoin like real estate. I buy it, I don't trade it, I just hold it. And I look for, you know, the price to appreciate over time. And so all of that uh, is yet to be resolved within the regulatory environment, but I'm extremely optimistic it will be. And um, I think uh, it's a wonderful time to be alive if you are willing to spend the time to learn about this, because I have spent countless hours um, you know, 
drilling down very deep down the rabbit hole of these different asset classes, you know, tokens, coins, chains, Bitcoin, Ethereum, mm -hmm. other uh, opportunities. And so I think I'm going to concentrate probably on 20 different positions over the next few years and build a portfolio up to, for, for this calendar year, up to 7%. I may make it more, but that's a, that's, that's a lot for me, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm just going to let that uh, simmer. We also talked with Matthew Hogan, Chief Investment Officer at Bitwise Asset Management. With Matt, we caught up on the connection between financial advisors and crypto assets. I think any investor looking at the macro economy has to realize that we're going through an extraordinary uh, fiscal and quantitative experiment. Right, so the U.S. has been a country for nearly 250 years. 40% of all dollars have been created since 2020. It's hard to know exactly how that's going to turn out. There are people who think we'll get significant inflation. There are people who think we'll get deflation. There are people who think we'll get something in between. I'm not smart enough to know, but what I do know is that the range of potential monetary outcomes has widened from where it was five years ago. So the tail risk of unusual events from a macro perspective has widened. And when your tail risk widens, you need a hedge. And crypto is the most efficient, uh, lowest cost way to hedge that macro risk. So from an investor, uh, you don't need to have full confidence that we're going to see runaway inflation. You just have to acknowledge that that's a risk that you want to hedge in your portfolio. And if that's true, then buying insurance through crypto is, is, uh, is a valid and, and reasonable approach. How, how, how do you know that it's not correlated to some of the markets? I mean, we've seen, I know that's one of its big kind of talking points and everything, but we've seen some uh, dips, in, and when we've seen dips in the market, we've also seen dips in a lot of digital assets. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that's a correlation per se, but can you just explain to us why it's such a good hedge? Sure. Um, first of all, I think during risk-off sell-offs, you'll, you'll see crypto sell-off as well mm -hmm. in the short term. That's what the data shows. That's what the data shows about gold as well. People don't remember back to the financial crisis, but gold fell in the financial crisis. During periods where markets are selling off sharply, people sell everything that has risk and is liquid. Crypto certainly has risk, and it's certainly liquid. So from a short-term perspective, it doesn't it doesn't, you know, cushion your portfolio against daily volatility. But looked at over any meaningful period of time in crypto's history, the correlations to stocks, bonds, gold, oil, it's all about 0 0.1, 0 0.2. It's simply not correlated to anything else. And you don't just have to believe the data. You can also evaluate it from a first principles basis, which is what drives the price of crypto. It's not the same things that drives the price of stocks, right? It's things like regulation, technological development, the passage of time, education, the opening up of new markets, uh, and monetary risk. And so you can have a great deal of confidence that it's not going to be correlated uh, to traditional stocks and bonds. Mm -hmm. um, now, why it works as a macro hedge against inflation is a very simple thesis, which is, for millennia, people have wanted to store some portion of their wealth in a non-sovereign hard asset. In that case is gold. I suspect that for the future, some portion of that will want to be stored in a non-sovereign digital hard asset. And Bitcoin has a virtual lock on that market. So um, other people may disagree, but I think it's hard to imagine a world where people don't want a digital non-sovereign store of value. Uh, and and it's, it's likely to be Bitcoin. There's a huge retail appetite for it, for sure. 
Um, and you can see that in many different, you know, just the fact that we're here, the fact that there's so much buzz about it. Mm -hmm. um, but for advisors, because, you know, we, we are uh, cover wealth management. Yeah. Um, what, what is going to be the tipping point that it really, really makes sense to be used in, in kind of the mainstream or, you know, maybe your average, well, it's hard to say average in, uh, client, but, you know, pick a demographic. When, when is it going to be kind of more mainstream or, you know, where everyone's kind of going to feel comfortable, fiduciary, you know, the whole thing? Yeah. First, I think it's getting there, right? Bitwise primarily serves the advisor market. We have hundreds of RAs who invest money with us. We manage a billion and a half in assets. So from an objective perspective, there's some portion of advisors who feel comfortable, confident to put their clients uh, into crypto assets. Um, I think it's going to be a push from below as much as it's a, a, a pull from the top. Uh, an incredible statistic, which is true, is that Coinbase has more accounts than Charles Schwab, E-Trade, TD Ameritrade, and Interactive Brokers combined. So if you're an advisor and you don't think your clients are already thinking about crypto, uh, you're wrong. They're already probably investing, and you're not managing their assets, and you're not getting paid on their assets, and importantly, you're not be, uh, protecting them from the huge behavioral risks that come with an asset as volatile as crypto. I think if the advisors out there sat down with all of their clients and asked them, are they investing in crypto on their own? Do they think they should be considering crypto? They'd be surprised at the number of people who are doing so. There was a panel yesterday that uh, Kevin O'Leary was on, and it was about um, kind of crypto influencing culture, right? And and um, the connection there. And that's kind of what we're, we're seeing. And especially with these like, you know, Coinbase's and these exchanges. And when you put it into perspective, like you just did of them, of those um, applications having, you know, way more um, users than uh, a traditional, you know, financial institution, it's like really mind boggling, right? It makes you really think like um, there, there is no, maybe there is no way that this is just a trend or just something that goes away. I mean, we're at a whole conference that's like, about finance and technology, but really is like about crypto investing. <laughs> but like is really, and then, and, and even right now, right, I'm like, I'm working on a, on a story from a panel that Sean moderated earlier today that's, you know, and the, the panelists in wealth management are talking about, you know, well, maybe it's just something that um, is something that you need to have to cater to the future millionaires and billionaires of the world. But I mean, mm -hmm. that's still the future. Like, we're still talking about something that's, like, going to happen in the future. So it is pretty wild to think that there's, like, any wealth managers out there right now. I mean, unless they're super small or whatever. But that are just, like, um, there's no cash flow here, so I'm not going to, like, talk about it. <laughs> right? It, like, makes you want to laugh almost a little bit because it's kind of crazy. It's, like, trying to say, like, eh, you know what? I, I don't want to use an iPhone just because, like, I hate it. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, there's so many data points to, to, to back that up. I mean, for one, it's the best performing asset class in the world this year. It was the best performing asset class in the world last year. It's the best performing asset class in the world over the last three years, the last five years, the last 10 years. Um, it's probably not going back to zero. Uh, and, and to your point, there are all these phenomenal examples that it's a much larger deal than most people uh, in the advisory space realize. Coinbase is a bigger company than Goldman Sachs, right? That's also a fact. Um, and I think people are reorienting to this idea that it's not um, going back uh, in the bottle. One other thing that's really helped with that over the last few years is for the first eight, nine, ten years of crypto, it was primarily a Bitcoin story. Mm 
-hmm. And Bitcoin uh, is thought of as digital gold. And there are many advisors who don't allocate to gold. Uh, mm -hmm. But crypt one thing that's happened recently is crypto has become more than just a Bitcoin story. It's now an Ethereum story. It's a DeFi story. It's an NFT story. Um, it's a settlement layer story. It's gotten all these second stories that are more that are easier for, for some advisors to understand. And I think that's starting to open up people's minds to the to, to pay attention to this space. Finally, I also had the chance to pick the brain of Sarah Koontz, Managing Director of Clio Capital. Sarah founded Clio Capital in 2018, and the venture capital firm primarily focuses on pre-seed investing, writing half a million to million dollar checks into tech startups. Feel free to kind of just like give me the landscape of where your head's at when it comes to crypto. And I mean, obviously there's like a crypto exchange yeah. that you recently um, invested in. So where's your head at with this? In 2011, I sent an email to one of my friends and I was like, I'm telling all my Tinder dates about Bitcoin. <laughs> Somehow I am still single and not a billionaire. In so let's just say mistakes were made. Ooh. Yes, 2011. I was so out of the curve. I was born to be a VC. Seriously. Um, but, you know, so, so I've... I've seen crypto, you know, I used to work for the Winklevoss twins. I've seen crypto from like just such an early, such an early, you know, point. I remember the summer they came back from Ibiza, um, we, sorry, Ibiza, Ibiza, sorry, friends. Um, <laughs> we were, we were all at a dinner before fashion week, uh, during fashion week. Um, you know, Barry Silbert stops by, he was running second market at the time and, and they start talking about crypto and I was like, what is it? I don't get it. How are you supposed to mine it? I can't do math. What do you mean? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I just, but like, I didn't really get it, but it, it was like kept like staying in the back of my mind and it was interesting. So like I kept hearing about it and I would like learn a little bit more, learn a little, wow. I'd ask people, I'd ask people. And, and then before you know it, you know, I remember like, I was like, oh no, I bought all this Bitcoin, but I waited until it was 300 a coin. Like, I'm so dumb. I'm never going to make money. Like, no, it's cool. It's got a ways to go. <laughs> right. Cause the best time to buy crypto is yesterday. The next best time is today. Just hold the bag. Hold the bag. Diamond hands, <laughs> diamond hands. But you know, so to see it come so far yeah. from when like literally even like engineers, even finance people were like, you talking about mm -hmm. I don't need to buy drugs and I'm like I don't buy drugs either I like crypto right <laughs> it's not just the silk road um it, it's exciting to see that and it's exciting to see you know blockchain use cases it's exciting to see um you know that the the advancements in DeFi. it's even exciting to see the like absolute nuts things like loot right mm -hmm. last week that exploded all over social media and it's like buy this list of words as an <laughs> nft for a hundred thousand dollars and maybe someday somebody makes a game and then this these words are are like weapons and then and then like okay sweetie like did you forget your meds like what's happening <laughs> but but that's what's happening yeah right yeah and it's so there's just been this explosion in crypto and Will every single piece of it pan out? Of course not. No, right? exactly. But but some of it will. And with every sort of, you know, Elon Musk tweet or, you know, the mm -hmm. SEC getting mad at Coinbase or a new crypto company naming a new sports team or arena, you get a little bit closer to the understanding that, like, this isn't going away. Yeah. I have a, a Bitcoin investor hat. And I um, was wearing it at the, like, I had to drop my car for the mechanics the other day in California. And the girl at the front desk is like, oh, my gosh. Do you, are you a Bitcoin investor? And I was like, God, I forgot I was wearing this. I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, well, 
you know, you should, um, you know, I, I started in buying Bitcoin because with COVID, the bingo hall was closed. And so I can't go play bingo. So I've been putting that money into Bitcoin wow. and my family thinks I'm crazy. And I was like, that is exactly the right way to think about asset allocation, right? Yes. Do not put your life <laughs> savings into crypto, um, but your bingo allocation, your fun stuff, yes, yeah. your $2 a week that you're spending on lotto tickets, go put that into Bitcoin, right? If you had done that, even a year ago, two years ago, that $2 would literally be like 2000 mm-hmm. right? Or I don't know how long ago, but right. whatever. Somebody will correct me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, there's just, it, it both as like a, a speculation, gambling, just for fun, whatever, tons of room to grow. The applications, there's tons of room to grow. The mainstreaming of it, you know, we're starting to see a lot more of that. And I think it's great. Like I mm-hmm. think that money is pretty broken and, and yeah. fixing it is awesome. So given all of these amazing speakers we talked to and everything we learned at our first live event since the start of the pandemic, Sean, what stood out to you during the show? What um, key takeaways did you have from all the amazing guests we got to talk to? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was such a pleasure to work with so many of those excellent people. Um, And I, I mean, I guess just the big one was really crypto, which is what we did focus the episode on. But I mean, you just the excitement that some of these people have for digital assets. uh, You know, I thought it was it was already kind of established and and getting there. But these huge firms, institutional level firms are just so excited to talk about this. So, you know, just ready to take this kind of to the next level in terms of if you think of Kathy Wood, so ARK Investment, she was up on the main stage talking about this might go to five Bitcoin, could go to 500,000, um, I think she said in the next few years, and a billion crypto wallets in the next few years. So I don't know. I mean, it's you kind of have to try and sort some of the hype out of it in, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. But I mean, I'm really, really hard to not see this just skyrocketing in the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's getting to the point where it's hard to ignore for sure. And I, I don't think that this is just... Uh, a trend, um, and we've been talking about that. But you know, when when someone with the, the the at the level of someone like Mr. Wonderful, i.e., Kevin O'Leary, is um, jumping on board, and he was very famous for um, being against crypto, but then changed his mind. And you know, hearing from himself why he did, and that largely has to do with regulation and compliance, and having more of that uh, come to. Um, well, I guess hopefully come to fruition eventually, but you know, he's keeping his eye on it and clearly financial advisors should as well. So, you know, crypto may be in its, um, there's some debate on what stage of its life it's in. Some say, you know, teenage years, some say Mm -hmm. diapers, some say something in between, Mm -hmm. but, um, I think it's awkward teenage years, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I think it's just a matter of time before we, um, you know, maybe hopefully see, see it grow up a little bit maybe uh, head to college and, and get a yeah. degree. <laughs> and I think another fun thing, I think that was Matt Hogan that actually said that. And he also mentioned in his panel that he, you mentioned compliance. He is actually kind of worried that if the U S doesn't move, that we might get kind of um, left in, in the wayside with some other countries that like some other countries already started kind of accepting digital assets mm-hmm. as a currency. Um, but just in general, if we don't kind of move on some of these ETFs, don't move on some, you know, at least figure out how it's going to be regulated. You know, which which regulator is going to take the lead? He was concerned about maybe falling falling behind. And uh, so, I mean, there was just a lot of good takes on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the classic, the never ending tale of innovation and technology 
uh, outpacing regulation, but at least we're in a place where the dialogue is happening and so hopefully we see some action. Maybe we'll finally see. I feel like we've been talking about the uh, the uh, Bitcoin ETF in the US for some time now. I feel like I've reported on it forever at this point, but um, hopefully we see it happen soon and then just see how it goes from there and see what type of institutional adoption we really comes about and um, see it really take off. E- and even, you know, DeFi, that was kind of a, uh, a small aspect of the discussion as well. So just see how it goes, really. Stay yeah. tuned, I guess. There's a lot to think about. I and mean, that conference was a great uh, venue to, to just discuss that. I mean, the, just the level of, of speakers, they, like I said, Kathy Wood, there was Ray Dalio, there was just... So much, so many great minds up on that big stage. So I'm happy that we were, we were there. And we were able to uh, take part in it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So thank you, Anthony, and his team over there at Salt for inviting us. It was great fun. Sean, are we ready to wrap it up? You bet. Remember, everyone, there are resources linked to the show notes attached to this episode uh, that you all can check out. Thanks again to our listeners for tuning in. Be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and just about anywhere you can find podcasts because we're on it. Also, be sure to stay tuned for our next episode coming to you in October. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in, and I hope that you now have the information you need to grow your business and your stack.